0: Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now.
1: Welcome to the Career Catharsis Show. I'm your host, Neha Korem. Each episode, I chat with experts in the fields of workplace wellness and career transformation to guide you in your professional journey. This week, I'll be chatting with my friend and mentor, Lisa Winberg, currently Director of Growth Strategies at Altus Recruitment. Be sure to check out the show notes for resources on hiring and job seeking. Hi, Lisa. Thank you so much for joining the Career Catharsis show. Really excited to talk to you about recruiting and job seeking in 2021. I know there's been a lot that's happened in the past year and a lot more to come and it's going to be really important for us to lean on leaders such as yourself for insight on how to get through uh, the next phase of job seeking and hiring. Um, so before we get into it, I'd love for our audience to get a better understanding of your background. So if you could share a little bit about your uh, career so far and what you do. Yeah, absolutely. And thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to
0: be here and hopefully share um, something that will be helpful for, for your listeners. So um, I've been in the talent acquisition uh, space for well over a decade now um, in a number of different capacities. I studied human resources and business in my undergrad. Um, I thought I was going to be a professor of organizational behavior, did my master's, and realized very quickly that that wouldn't have been the right choice for me. I Research was not, was not my passion. I really do love working with people um, in a lot of different ways so tell you a shorter version but basically i had i got the way i got into the world of recruitment was actually through career coaching um Mm -hmm. through interview coaching actually so i started what the kids today would call a side hustle what i called at the time just tutoring um but i was helping people prepare for interviews um fell into it. Really, I think it's a kind of common theme. I've listened to some of your other podcasts. Uh, I don't think a lot of people go into recruitment or talent acquisition knowing what they're getting into. And similar for me, I kind of just fell into it. My first official role um, in the talent acquisition space was at a large bank um, working on their campus recruitment which was a really interesting role. I loved being able to work with people early in their career and help set them up for success and really was always passionate about learning and development. I also do have um, a few years of teaching experience. I taught high school business studies. So really liked that early career um, stage for people, got the opportunity, loved kind of working with different hiring managers, learning what they were looking for, and also working with the students, doing a lot of stuff on campus, kind of helping them, um, set, their, set their searches up for success as well. Um, so I was at the bank for a few years and then fell into an opportunity to actually launch um, the Toronto office of a San Francisco-based startup um, focused on recruitment. And for me, what really drew me into that opportunity was that the mission of that company was to help everyone find a job that they love and that really, I'm a very mission-driven person, and that was a really exciting and interesting opportunity. And the other piece that really drew me to that role was uh, their founders were talking about the fact that recruitment as an industry was broken. And I felt that, for sure, as someone in the recruitment industry, I always felt wrong having to pressure a candidate to take a role that I knew wasn't the best fit for them. And that was something that I really loved about this company, that I ended up starting the Toronto office for so worked there for almost five years got to grow in a lot of different capacities wore a lot of different hats um, but it was always really the candidate experience was always near and dear to my heart Um, and so everything I did in terms of my own growth in that company was all about how we could you know make candidates experiences better and also help the clients build amazing teams Um, so I was there and my current role I joined a company um, that is a proud Canadian company for they've been in business for over 30 years um, and I joined in a new role that they kind of made up um, when I joined which is all about growth and coming up with strategies to help kind of take the take the traditional staffing company into you know 2021 and beyond so it's been a really interesting journey um, and I you know have have learned a ton and I'm excited to, to share with you whenever I can.
1: Wonderful. Thank you. And for sure, there's been a pivotal moment, um, I think, even before the pandemic, where, as you said, recruiting, hiring is broken. And now shifting to your current position at Altus Recruitment, can you tell us what your experience is like working there? Yeah. So I've, uh, I've learned a lot and,
0: you know, totally transparently, I only joined the company at the beginning of March. So I had about two weeks of kind of learning the ropes and then the world changed overnight. I think we all can, can attest to that. And something that's really special, I think about Altus is the fact that because they've been, we've been in business for, you know, so long, we have a very diverse group of clients. So the composition, the type of roles that the company has been working on have shifted a little bit, but because the client base is so large and so diverse, we've managed to pivot and really continue to support our clients and ensuring that we're delivering um, great talent to them to help them do what they need to do. And also we're still helping place a large volume of candidates. So, um, the company, this is actually my first experience working um, with temporary staffing. So the company Altus does both um, temporary as well as permanent placements. Um, so it's just been a really great learning experience for me to understand sort of nuances around staffing for different types of roles. I didn't mention this in my kind of overview, but prior to this, my main experience was in sort of financial services and then the world of technology, tech roles. Mm -hmm. Um, So this is giving me exposure to all sorts of different um, industries and and types of of roles as well.
1: Mm -hmm. So interesting that you're joining a company, you know, right when the pandemic hits. And then Mm -hmm. I think what we've seen, and correct me if I'm wrong, is that Temporary staffing has kind of almost exploded since, you know, a lot of companies are probably uncertain about their hiring needs. Can you tell us a little bit more about the nature of temporary staffing? Yeah, I think it's really,
0: it would be hard for me in a few sentences to kind of summarize because the nature of the work is such that it's different depending on kind of every company, every type of role. I will say we've seen a shift in terms of the types of temporary staff that are being hired. So, um, as you can imagine, a lot of companies had to quickly pivot and shift what they were doing and the kinds of roles they were hiring for. So we saw a huge influx in demand, certainly for healthcare, um, kind of from all levels, entry-level kind of screener, um, positions. So Mm. people who are, you know, stopping you before you go in, you know, past the plexiglass all the way up to, you know, doctors and nurses, those kinds of roles. Um, and an interesting one as well is around, um, Inbound customer service. We've seen a huge influx, especially for bilingual candidates. So any candidates out there who are listening to this who are bilingual, there's a ton of opportunity out there. Um, we've seen a lot of demand as well in cybersecurity and technology, as you can imagine. I mean, we all, for the, the vast majority, I shouldn't say all, but a huge number of people are now working at home, have their workforces at home, um, working remotely that never thought it possible before COVID hit. Um, I've had some really interesting conversations. So like I mentioned, because I joined when I joined, um, I didn't really have a full portfolio of work to be doing. My my focus is on growth and, Mm -hmm. you know, come March 13th, the world shuts down. We're not thinking necessarily immediately about growth. We're thinking about survival and we're thinking about how we can be resilient and get through the crisis and come out stronger. So one of the things I actually kind of fell into was working on our companies but also consulting with our clients on their return to work plans their health and safety so I've learned way more about health and safety than I've ever known (laughs) before Mm. Um, but it's been interesting to have these conversations with pretty senior leaders at large companies throughout Canada and hearing you know we did a ton of research before so adult is something that we're really proud of is kind of being thought leaders in the HR space and trying to share with the community what we're learning. And, you know, no one, I think anyone who claims to be an expert in COVID is very cocky because I think that, you know, you, as soon as you think you're an expert, things change, but, um, in preparing, we did a number of webinars, myself and my my CEO partnered together to do a number of webinars. And I interviewed a lot of our clients to kind of get their input, hear what they were thinking. It was really interesting. And I think I'm skipping ahead to one of the things you were going to, you might ask me later, which is about, mm-hmm. you know, things that are evolving and changing. And one of them is leadership's attitudes towards this remote work mm-hmm. paradigm. And I would say, you know. I would say probably starting in like April and May even having conversations with these senior leaders and hearing them say things like, you know, I'll be the first to admit prior to COVID, I didn't think it was possible to be productive, having my team dispersed, having people not uh, in front of me and quote unquote, like I was wrong. These are quotes from, you know, these Mm -hmm. really senior folks. Um, And I think uh, I didn't mention this, but Neha and I, the way we know each other, we worked together in our previous organization. (laughs) Yes. and I led a team there where I had team members all over the place. You know, I had some team members who were located together in one city. We had other people who were on their own, sort of in small offices or small working from home throughout the United States. And so for me, it was less of a shift because it was like, you know, it's it's a challenge, but you be mindful and you work on strategies to do it. And I think I'm actually really grateful for that experience. I know a lot of people say, you know, sometimes working in a startup you know, one year you get three to five years of experience. And I certainly think that that's true. Um, But, you know, you develop that resiliency and the adaptability piece. So I think that that's going to be, you know, I hate the cliche of like the new normal, the new normal, no one knows Mm -hmm. what the new normal is, but I will say that having that flexible mindset in terms of where people are located is going to be really interesting. Mm -hmm. So I'll stop now and let you get back on track because I took us on a bit of a tangent.
1: No, absolutely. You're so right. I think there were some excellent points mentioned there. So I too struggle with when we call it the new normal, or even kind of just referring to the global pandemic as unprecedented or, you know, all the different cliches, but this is actually reality, right? Um, So one of the questions that I had for you that I think, you know, you've kind of touched on. So you mentioned Um, resilience and adaptability and really being conscious of what is now a remote workforce for many first-time remote managers and many first-time remote workers. So resilience, adaptability, being mindful of a distributed workforce. um, I think those three things definitely are key trends that are going to continue, not just uh, during the global pandemic, but beyond. I think you know, a lot of these trends and habits are here to stay. Um, is there anything else that comes to mind when people are thinking of preparing um, in the recruiting industry and to get prepared for the great rehiring? Absolutely.
0: And I just want to make sure I add one note to what you just said. And I think that you know the flexibility, the adaptability, the number one skill or the number one the uh, thing that I think is going to be so important for anyone's success, whether they're a new manager or a seasoned manager or an employee is around proactive communication. Mm-hmm. It's a lot harder to have accidental run-ins with people to, you know, run into someone in the kitchen and catch up on an impromptu on a whim. So it's really about being proactive with your communication and being um Really intentional about it, you know, making an effort to whether it's whatever channel you're using, whether you're using Slack or Teams or whatever it is, it doesn't matter. It's really just about being intentional and making sure that you are proactively sharing and creating an environment where feedback is uh, appreciated. So, in terms of the question you actually asked me, <laughs> the great rehiring, I think that it's uh, it's really challenging depending on what your background is and what type of Work you are most interested in and most passionate about. I think there's tons of material, tons of resources out there that will tell you that you know tech is tech is the future, and there's so many opportunities within technology and you know um, different different industries and things like that. I will say that it's really important, I think, to own your story and to know and really understand what your transferable skills are. Because I think that there's going to be, when we talk about the great rehiring, I think that that in and of itself is also a very grand title to kind of talk about the fact that across the board, I don't truly believe in the, in the highly skilled uh, environment, if that's where we're talking about. There hasn't been as dramatic of an impact as we were all expecting. You know, of course, and I'm not trying to minimize any losses in any other industries whatsoever. But when we talk about really skilled, type roles so you know any roles in high t- in in tech or or um highly skilled professionals like accounting and finance marketing hr those they have certainly slowed but they have not kind of like disappeared so i would say for people who are currently fail themselves to be in a in a layoff or have you know are looking for a new opportunity i would say it's being really self-aware and recognizing what you do bring to the table um, really understanding when you're looking at job postings, um, looking at what they're asking for and trying to translate what you've done. Maybe you haven't had the exact same title that they're looking for, but when you actually look at the responsibilities, you can see that you've covered quite a bit. There's a lot of overlap between what you have have done. So I think it's really, again, it's about self-awareness and it's about learning how to tell your story
1: in an effective way um, to help. With that. That's great advice. And I think something that you touched on is based on industry, there might not have been as much of an impact to certain industries, yet every organization has obviously had to reshift priorities and absolutely layoffs and hiring freezes have definitely been an outcome of that. But what I'm hearing is even if you are, you know, part of these high skilled opportunities, it's more of a reshuffle in the present rather than Having to pause and wait for new opportunities to come up, such as in other sectors where, and again, you know, there's obviously opportunities within travel and retail that are absolutely high skilled. But a lot of, you know, what we would traditionally call odd jobs, you know, a lot of students who are working part time at the mall, or maybe that was their full time, right? There's all ranges of people Mm -hmm. involved in that sector. Um, But unfortunately, these are some of the hardest hit sectors that there's going to be a great amount of reskilling, but also upskilling required to kind of grab the opportunities yeah. that are available, but will also be kind of waiting um, yep. for what happens in the next yep. year or so.
0: And I would say that there are a ton of really great, some free, but also some low cost resources out there in terms of, I love, I loved the term you use, you know, reskilling or upskilling your experience. So to kind of piggyback to what you just said, going to that student who was working in a retail at a clothing store. I think that that person could really think about and reframe their experience to make them a great candidate for a customer service role, whether it's, you know, at a call center or more likely than not today would be, you know, an at-home customer service role. So many of those skills that they've developed, you know, being customer facing, helping people, whatever they're selling, you know, helping assist somebody in a store. um, A lot of those skills, or I've seen a ton actually of, Really talented and dedicated people who have been in like the food and beverage industry. So a lot of restaurant type staff um, who love working with people who are, you know, have been servers for a long time, be very successful going into these sort of customer success, Mm -hmm. customer service type um, positions. And again, it's the transferable skills there you just have to think hard, but it's not hard. It's not hard once you think about it to kind of translate it. It's just about how you reframe how you're looking at things. So looking at, you know, someone who's been a server in a restaurant has had to work under a lot of pressure. You're dealing with, you know, hungry, sometimes rude, grumpy customers. <laughs> True. Things are, you know, you're dealing with lots of juggling competing priorities. You're not always in control. You know, something might happen. The kitchen might burn something. That's not your fault and it's figuring out how to manage expectations and all of that. So to me, it's really about, um, really owning what you bring to the table and figuring out a way to communicate that in a way that resonates with the the recruiter on the other end who's looking to hire.
1: Absolutely. I think many of the skills are, more or less on par with what a lot of organizations expect in customer service positions or sales positions even. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think a lot of it has to do with the context and the vocabulary, which I think you mentioned, there's some great resources out there that individuals can kind of just, uh, I guess, get acquainted with and translate some of their experience to speak to their target audience that might be hiring right now. Yeah. Yeah. So shifting a little bit from this conversation, I'd like to know on a personal slash professional level, what keeps you motivated in your day to day?
0: Yeah. So like I mentioned before, I think I'm someone, I'm very mission driven and very passionate about the industry that I am in. And even I've had very different roles throughout my career, you know, sometimes working directly with candidates sometimes, you know, when I was working in the bank, you know, as, a, as an in-house recruiter, hiring my own team has always been something that I've loved to do. And I think for me, I stay motivated when I can see the impact of what I'm doing. And I think, you know, as I've become more senior in different roles, I'm less, um, a little bit more removed from the day-to-day of like coaching that candidate, helping them find that job. But what's really, I guess, motivating and exciting to me, I love building strong teams. I love seeing other people be successful and that makes me feel really successful as well. Mm -hmm. And I think ultimately I'm just motivated, you know, in, in this industry, you know, in staffing or in talent acquisition, we're helping people find meaningful work and that's so important. And we're also helping companies find great people to build great companies. So I just think for me, I guess, It's a very long winded way of saying, just knowing that I'm making a difference and really feeling like what I'm doing matters and is actually helping people.
1: Love it. Absolutely. I think that's something that a lot of talent leaders, recruiters, individuals in the HR space feel good about is that Mm -hmm. they're connecting great people to great companies to do great work.
0: Um, Absolutely. It's all
1: the good feels. Yeah. Yeah. So, how can recruitment, in particular, prepare for the new world of work that we're currently constructing? I know we've kind of talked a little bit about this, but mm-hmm. um, you know, what really do you think is going to? What is it going to take for you to build a successful team for the type of business that we're now seeing evolve? So, I think it's a couple of things. I think that
0: one thing that the recruitment industry needs to really get on board with is recognizing that the game has changed. And what what I mean by that is no longer are we bound by geography, are we bound by time zones, are we bound by, well, I can only really hire talent who's within, you know, a 30-minute commute of my office. The world, in my opinion, has opened up significantly. Mm -hmm. And I think that the most successful companies are going to be the ones who are able to really capitalize on that and find ways and channels to engage with candidates that are not necessarily in their backyard. Now, I'm not suggesting that the office is going away. I don't, I actually don't think that that's true at all. I think I'm personally feeling this as well, but, you know, I think that the future of work is going to be some sort of hybrid where people have the opportunity to still have that face-to-face if they want it. I -hmm. think the days of, you know, you must have your butt in a seat from X time to X time, this many days a week and there's no flexibility, I think those days are gone. Um, But I think that's a big piece is really recognizing that you have the ability to reach a lot further than you used to. And what goes hand in hand with that, I think, is recognizing how important it is to have, to create a positive candidate experience. You know, more than ever, candidates are are doing their homework too. They're looking up, they're looking into your company and they're being, I think for, for the first time in a long time, like they're much more empowered than they used to be. And mm. I think that that's a wonderful thing. I think, you know, and both on both sides of the equation, I think it's really important that you treat people with respect, you treat people, you know. Not necessarily, I, I've heard, I don't remember what, what the, you know, the old saying of like the golden rule is treat others the way you'd like to be treated. Mm-hmm. I think going a step further is treat others how they'd like to be treated, which I think is like really an interesting and powerful mm-hmm. um, thing. But for, from my perspective, no matter how competitive your company is, no matter if you're like a number one place to work, if you have a bad candidate experience, that's not going to last for very long. Um, and I think that that's really important. Uh, Sorry, when I say that, like your rating as number one is not going to last for very long. So I think recruiters need to, whether it's investing in tools to help them do this or just making a very mindful process that talks about like, you know, closing gaps, following up with people, making sure that candidates are kept in the loop about the status of how things are going and you're being as transparent as possible. I think that that's really, really critical. Um, And I think... I don't know. It's a mentality shift for a lot of people that, you know, even if you don't want to hire somebody, if you're a hiring manager or your recruiter, you still want that person to feel really good about the experience that they've had with your company mm-hmm. so that either A, they'll still want to be a customer if you're a business to, you know, your B2C employer. Mm-hmm. Or they're going to want to refer friends to the organization and realize, you know, I wasn't the best fit, but these people seem really amazing and I'd like to, you know, mm-hmm. I, would, I would send people their way. Um, so that's on the company side. I think the companies really need to be more open-minded and recognize that I think they have to be more, it needs to be more of a two-way street than it has been in the past in terms of understanding what people want and offering a little bit more flexibility. Um that's not to say, you know, every, every person, every employee should, you know, make their own schedule and do whatever they want. And, you know, mm-hmm. that's not at all what I'm saying, but it's more just recognizing that a one size fits all approach is not going to work mm-hmm. in the, the future of the, the new world of work. Um, and then on the candidate side, I think a huge tip again, and I already said this before, but is that self-awareness, it's really knowing what you want and what's important to you mm-hmm. and taking control of your search and recognizing, you know, I think and I've talked about this many times over the years but like you know making a list for yourself as a candidate what are your most what are you actually looking for and what's important to you because if you don't know that you you might just land at the first place that offers you a job and you'll find yourself unhappy very quickly so it's really like taking stock doing a very honest self assessment and saying you know these are my these are my top motivators and these are these are three things that I must have these are a couple of things that it would be nice to have and really assessing all opportunities against that criteria, I think, is um, really important.
1: Absolutely. So, what I'm hearing is both on the candidate side as well as on the company side, we we need to make sure that people in general are bringing their soft skills to the table. Absolutely. Right. So that self awareness and something that you mentioned about treating others the way they want to be treated, right? So really having that empathy and being able to anticipate how somebody is going to react and how you can adjust your messaging to connect with them and avoid misunderstandings. I think that's a really key piece when it comes to job search. job searching as well as Mm -hmm. recruiting and so much of the work world in general, but to kind of go to your earlier point when you talked about, when we were talking about distributed teams, remote work and the need to proactively communicate. So now translating our soft skills to, you know, a lot of text where some people I noticed don't really like using emojis and, you know, some people when they type or they email, they might be pretty dry or formal, but then when you yep. meet them when you run into them in the office, they're smiling, they're jolly. And you know that, okay, that email that Susie sent me earlier in the morning, she wasn't mad at me. That's just the way she emails. But Absolutely. Now, now because we have that lack of context um, where we don't get to meet the person necessarily, mm-hmm. um, you know, we might be reading into words a little too much, but we all have to be conscious of that. And yeah. yeah. And, And I think just going back
0: to that, that communication potential gap is I think a piece of advice, general advice for both sides of the coin. So for recruiters, is to kind of recruiting is one of the highest volume and most challenging and sometimes stressful jobs out there. You know, you're dealing with a lot of pressure. There's a lot of there's a lot of competing priorities. And I think sometimes it's hard. It's easy rather to forget that the, the stack of names or the numbers on your, on your desk or on your desktop are people. Mm -hmm. And I think I'm guilty of that too. You know, when we were in any, in my current company, but also in in the past, you know, you'd be talking about having placement goals of, you know, a thousand candidates or a thousand placements. And when you stop to think about that, that's like Mm -hmm. a lot of people, and a lot of you know lives that are being impacted so i think for for the recruiters that that piece of advice around that proactive communication is to actually stop and remember that you know
1: mm-hmm. yes
0: you have to go through 200 resumes and you you know that 178 of those resumes are not going to be relevant for mm-hmm. for your position it's still that's still 178 people who've taken the effort to reach out and to make themselves vulnerable in some way and we don't owe every single person a phone call to say you know thanks but no thanks but there needs to be something built in there to close the loop to make people feel heard and acknowledged and Mm -hmm. I think on the candidate side I've coached so many candidates in my career who've you know driven themselves you know gotten themselves super worked up over you know I haven't heard back from this company. This must mean they don't like me. They must have gone with someone else. You know, the stories that we tell ourselves, I would encourage candidates to try to take a step back and realize that although this job search for you is your number one priority, the company is probably working on a lot of different things. I mean, they are, it's not probably. Every company is working on a lot of different things. And, you know, it's okay to follow up. If if someone, either a hiring manager or a recruiter has said to you, you know, we should be able to have an answer to you by X date mm-hmm. and you don't hear anything, it's absolutely okay to follow up and to just give them, you know, in a professional and courteous way to just, you know, re-express your interest, let mm-hmm. them know that, you know, you're definitely still interested in the position and see if they need anything else from you. That reminder might be the nudge they needed to not push the meeting off until tomorrow or the, you know, or right. Monday. Um, so I think it's just, I guess having empathy, like you said, and, and having an understanding of, it can feel like a pretty, you know, scary and opaque process, but my, my belief and my hope is that it's going to become more transparent on both sides. And that's always been, you know, in different capacities, I've advised, you know, hundreds of different companies on best practices around hiring. And that will always be something that I, hammer home is you know it's so important to to share and to be transparent as transparent as possible
1: mm-hmm.
0: and to the candidates as well so you know if a company is your top choice and you're also interviewing somewhere else let them know like hey you know hey company x i wanted you to know i'm really excited about your opportunity and i have a final interview tomorrow or i have a final offer from another company I don't want to miss out on you. Like what's your timing, you know, being, being transparent, mm-hmm. taking, like I said, again, getting in the driver's seat for your own career and, and advocating for yourself. That's my hope kind of for, for how to help fix this industry is bring that transparency um, to the foreground and hopefully help create more great matches for, for companies yeah. and candidates.
1: Love it. Yeah. So much great advice there. Definitely on both the, recruiter side and the job seeker side so both sides of the coin they're really great advice I would love to know if you have any final thoughts for recruiters and job seekers before we wrap up yeah I think again my
0: the drum that I'm going to just beat is just around you know candidate experience and being really thoughtful and empathetic in in -hmm. whatever it is that you do I know that everyone's time is precious and limited and it's hard sometimes to stay on top of everything so I would encourage people to find the tools that they need to help themselves stay accountable Um, and always just remember at the end of the day that we're talking about people and you know we can get a lot of great software to help us be better but at the end of the day on both sides whether you're recruiter hiring manager Mm -hmm. or candidate it's all about people it's all about relationship management and I would just say no matter what the role is, come from a place like it's, it's about being human and it's about, you know, coming from a place of good intent. And um, yeah, I would say assume a good intent in others and then hold yourself to, to that
1: standard. Absolutely. Again, just uh, reiterating that soft skills, right? So that need for great soft skills, relationship building, empathy, these are things that, are not necessarily what you go to school for to learn and you know these are the qualities that I think many companies are looking for in the new world of work Mm -hmm. so really great reminder there thank you so much Lisa and really appreciate all the work that you're doing at Altus currently um, as a director of growth strategies I'm sure a lot of listeners have learned from you I know that I have and always good catching up with you.
0: Thank you so much for having me and I look forward to hearing
1: future episodes. I hope you enjoyed today's episode on hiring in 2021 with Lisa Winberg, Director of Growth Strategies at Altus Recruitment. For more information on hiring and job seeking, be sure to check out the show notes to access free webinars and additional resources. Hit subscribe to keep up with workplace wellness and career transformation stories with Career Catharsis. I hope you enjoyed today's episode of the Career Catharsis podcast. It would mean the world to me if you shared this episode with somebody that you know to inspire someone to take the next step in their career. Send me your feedback at coach.neha.koram at gmail.com. Connect with me on Instagram at coach.neha or find me on LinkedIn. Simply type my name, Neha Koram, and you'll find me. Looking forward to connecting and see you next time.